Hey everyone, thanks so much for joining me for this week's episode of When I Grew Up. On today's episode, it's my pleasure to welcome my guest, Dr. Jason Chong. Hey Jason, how are you? Hey Blair, good to see you. Good to see you too. Oh man, I'm like so excited to catch up with you. <laughs> I know, it's crazy. Like, it's been so long since we've talked and Seriously. now we're doing this. It's, I mean, look, uh, I mean, I feel like the last time I saw you maybe was even your your senior year of high school. No, 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 not there's that no way, back. right? There's no I way. I remember there there was a time in college where we did a lot of stuff through church together, but it was like like early on in college. Okay, so okay, two thousand nine. Oh yeah, that was a long time which, ago. <laughs> which is a very long time ago now. Um, but since then, a lot has changed. Um, you know, I keep up with you through social media. Um, I got married. He got married. We have our own families now. Um, UGA won a national championship since then. And <laughs> go dogs. Um, go dogs. But um, the reason I asked you on is because I wanted, I mean, yes, I think selfishly wanted to catch up, but also you have a lot to share, I feel, uh, about your career and your journey. Uh, Jason is here because he is a physical therapist and um, we've had a physical therapist on before, but I, I have realized in um, doing the podcast that everyone's story and journey is so different um, and like, I feel like there's a lot of value in that and people listening. So, um, yeah, Jason, without me, you know, making prolonging this intro, I'd like to know, what is it that you do? What is it that I do? Yes. So, as you said, I am a physical therapist. And, <clears throat> gosh, that's such an open-ended question. <laughs> I <Sorry>. guess <laughs> to keep it short. I help people feel better physically mm. and sometimes I guess it transitions into emotional well-being but primarily you know physical therapists on providing therapy for the physical aspect of a human being. <laughs> okay that's a really good explanation I feel like and I like it a lot because I even like the part where you said it eventually leads to their emotional well-being too um, because as an I guess very ex-athlete myself um, yeah, I mean, when you're physically miserable or need help, your mm -hmm. mental well-being is not okay most of the right. time. So um, I'd love to get into that a little more with you. But oh, yeah. um, before we do, I guess, um, what does a typical day for you as a physical therapist look like? <clears throat> so about three months ago, I actually changed jobs. And I guess I can go more into detail about that later. But Right now, I am working in an assisted living facility. I'm working at two different places, um, and it's a essentially a retirement home mm -hmm. where older individuals go to live, and they have assistance with living. And so my job is to be – not everybody there gets physical therapy, but anyone who has any certain issues or something that they want to achieve physically, they will – get a doctor's note and then they will request my services so wow. ultimately I'm just kind of like their exercise friend mm. and just like uh, someone who can help them to stay healthy and active but okay that makes sense but also you're there so that they don't injure themselves doing it right um <clears throat> I would say in that 
stage of life, it's not necessarily preventative, but more maintenance. So let's say, gosh. (laughs) So I'll give you an example, like, no, not to give too much detail about an individual, but let's just say person A, John, Mm -hmm. he was trying to get out of bed and he fell and Mm -hmm. he hurt his hip. So Mm -hmm. he went to the hospital and the doctor was like, you know what? You have some issues with balance. You have trouble getting up and down. We don't want this to become a recurring issue where you keep falling. Mm. Um, let's get you some physical therapy. So then that doctor's note will go through my system. And then I'll do an assessment with them, talk to them, say, okay, what are you having trouble with? What are some goals? What are some things that you want to be able to do more, whether it's within the assisted living facility or if it's like to go visit a family member um, or if it's just to like maintain what you have right now so that you do not decline further. Mm. And so for the example of John, it's to, you know, make sure they're strong enough and they have the uh, awareness in terms of like what we call balance and proprioception. So balance, you know, everybody needs to have good balance so that mm-hmm. they don't fall over and bump into things like mm-hmm. um And then the proprioception aspect is just your awareness of your body in space. So imagine like when you're walking around a corner and sometimes you like bump your shoulder into the wall, right? Or at Mm -hmm. least I do. And so that means, you know, I need to be able to work more on being able to understand like, okay, is my shoulder like right next to the wall? Or do I need to go around a little bit further so I don't hit it all the time? And Mm -hmm. um, that's just like a, I guess I don't want to get too descriptive, but that's kind of like an example of, what we more uh, work on in terms of assisted living. That's really fascinating to me because I'm like, how do you even work on that? Like what, there are exercises that I could do to make myself less like that. (laughs) Yes. Um, There's obviously like a textbook, kind of like a foundation in terms of just general strengthening. Right. Uh But each individual is, built differently is designed differently and the Mm -hmm. things that we've developed in terms of habits physically and just kind of behaviorally is going to be different per person and so think about i'll say the average age of my patients right now is about 75 to 80 years old okay and so think about for those 75 to 80 years they did things a certain way Mm -hmm. and so i'm not going to go in there and in two weeks change their tendencies and their habits, but I can kind of draw attention to, Hey, you're doing this and that's what's causing a B C. So let's try this so that we can not necessarily eliminate it, but reduce it. Mm. So the next time I see you, it's, you're not coming in here with a broken hip. Right. Right. Wow. Mm -hmm. So like you're only two months into this particular, I guess, what do you call it? Uh, Assisted living. Yes, but like it seems as though there, I'm discovering in physical therapy, there are a lot of different avenues you can take as mm-hmm. a physical therapist, right? But right. you've been in this for two months. Like, how has that been for you? It's been great. Oh. So um, my previous job, you know, it was it was good too. I enjoyed it. But it was almost like a complete 180 mm-hmm. in terms of lifestyle. So. Oh. My previous job was more of like a nine to five, very concrete schedule. People come to my office. um, I see them for 30 minutes to an hour and they almost dictate my schedule, right? Mm -hmm. If they don't show up, I can't just put someone in there. Mm -hmm. 
and just replace. I have to be there from nine to five. Now, in an assistant living facility, they all live there. So I'm just walking down the halls, knocking on doors, going into their rooms, be like, hey, I'm here today. You want to do some physical therapy? Mm. I have time at nine o'clock, 10 o'clock, two o'clock, such and such. Mm. If they say, no, not feeling it today, I can go somewhere else and kind of just like pick and choose my people. And on, on rare occasions or some occasions, if everybody's out and about doing things and it's about 3 p.m., I'm going to say, you know what? I'm going to pack up and go home. And so the beauty of that for me personally is it gives me more time to kind of take care of myself and then also take on more family responsibilities. For us, we don't have any kids. We have a dog. And so, and my wife, as uh, we talked about earlier before we started the podcast, she's a hairstylist. So she also has a very full day. Sure, of, yeah. She's got to be at the salon. So we don't want our dog to be, you know, holding his his pee all day. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It, it allows us that flexibility to do more things and just just that freedom. Yeah. That's uh-huh. awesome. And how is it like I'm uh was it a shift? Like I don't mean I have no idea. Like working with like older people. <laughs> okay. Um this is actually kind of funny because the person who you interviewed before as a physical therapist, Edward, uh-huh. he is who helped me transition into this new job. Really? Yes. So Edward and I actually have a really close relationship. He helped me before I began PT school with uh, shadowing and observation hours and just kind of going through the process of applying to PT school. And so I owe a great deal of gratitude towards him for helping me get through school and then even like uh, seeking out jobs after I graduated. So um, for the first two and a half years, I graduated PT school in 2019. And so I started practicing maybe October of that year. Mm-hmm. And for about two and a half years, I worked in an outpatient orthopedic clinic, which is where, you know, you might have seen them on the roads, like the benchmarks, the physios, okay. all those, yes. you know, mainstream physical therapy clinics. And so I did that. And after about two two and a half years, I said, you know what, I'm starting to get a little complacent. I'm getting burnt out. Uh, I'm tired. I'm not taking care of myself. I would say um, I got to a point where I was starting to feel depressed. Mm. And so my wife was, you know, she, she's very supportive and she's always like, you're so good at what you do. I don't, <laughs> she says that, but anyway, she, she's like, you're so good at what you do. You have so much um, room to grow and do different things. So I said, yeah. you know what, I need a a change of scenery. So mm-hmm. I contacted Edward, you know, we had dinner, he's telling me what he's doing. And he does a little different. He does home health. And he also does a private cash based one on one type of setting. Mm-hmm. And he was, I hope Edward doesn't mind me saying this, he was telling me how much he was making. And I'm just sitting there like, uh, you're paying for dinner, because <laughs> you're, you're making way more money than me. So I'm like, hold on. You know, it's not all about the money, but why am I, you know, breaking myself down, um, miserable, just, you know, when I'm at work, I do what I need to do. I, you know, I feel like I provide a good service, but again, at the same time, my body was breaking down Mm. and I was starting to get really, uh, quiet. I didn't want to talk when I got home because (gasps) I'm talking so much at work. Right. 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 And that's great. I enjoy my time, but it's, it's taxing, right? It's, it's draining. So he said, you know what, why don't you venture out into home health? And um, so I started applying, looking at home health opportunities. While I was applying to that, I was drawn to assisted living. And I would say that me personally, I have a range in terms of, I love working with children. I like working with 
people in their 30s, 40s, and 50s, but I also like working with the geriatric population. Now, I didn't see myself in my profession being primarily in a geriatric population, Mm -hmm. but I said, you know, it doesn't hurt to try. Um, It's not like binding to to a 10-year contract or something. It's just kind of like, all right, feel it out, see if you like it, and go from there and Mm. provide yourself opportunities to expand upon your resume, your experiences, and all that. So I said, let's go for it. And so here I am doing assisted living and I'm telling my wife, like, I'm the happiest I've been in a long time. Oh my gosh. Granted, I was very happy when we got married. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, in terms of career <laughs> yeah. and school and all that, I was like, I'm the happiest I've been in a long time. Wow. And so we're thinking like, okay, what is it? What, what is it about assisted living that I enjoy? And, I, you know, one thing it, it, it's again, talking about like, I'm kind of just their friend. And although they have, you know, people who live in the assisted living facility, um, I'm sorry, I feel like I'm not even answering the question at this point. I'm just like bouncing off the walls. I like it. (laughs) So, um, you know, they'll, they'll have family members visit and they'll have activities like they'll do bingo and they'll have like little exercise dance classes. They do like happy hour on Fridays where they all get a drink at 3 p.m. And essentially I can't do any physical therapy at that point. <laughs> <laughs> but when they're with me, they just want to tell me all their stories. Yeah. And it's so fun because they're yeah. talking to they're telling me about things in like the 40s, the right, 50s. And I'm right. just like that's crazy. It's like everyone has such an interesting and different background. Mm. And so that, that kind of conversation for me is like, yeah, there's still days when I get tired. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I have to, you know, yeah. <laughs> work <laughs> is work the, at the end of the but day. Work is work. Right. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's just, I feel more fulfilling and I mm. feel like, you know, I've accomplished so much yet. I still have all this energy and, you know, willpower to come home, go to the gym, uh, you know, clean up the house, do something else that's more productive rather than before I would come home, sit on the couch and turn on Netflix or watch, you know, some, some movie or something. And I'm just like a shell of myself. Yeah. And so I don't even think that was the question you asked. No, that was the question. (laughs) I, so you enjoy it. And I no the question was like, do you enjoy working with elderly people, geriatric patients? And, and, um, I feel like the explanation you gave was much more purposeful in that, you know, because, mm, uh, forgive me for saying this, but it's just because I'm not educated in the area. But like, yeah, I think when I think of a physical therapist, you know, I do, I think of benchmark and I told Edward this too. Like I think of Mm -hmm. those kind of, you know, you get hurt and then you go and then they help you get better and then, Mm -hmm. or they give you exercises to do. And, um, they're just kind of sitting there counting with you and like, that's cool. But then I also know there are different parts of physical therapy now, you know, and I, but I never knew that there would be an in-house assisted living physical therapist, you know, for, for, um, grandparents, essentially. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and and so that's why I think it's really like fascinating for me to hear that you're doing this too in this capacity, and you love it. you seem to love it. Like you do seem much very alive, like talking about it. And so that um, I feel like people listening, if they're ever interested in going into PT, like. They need to know that there are so many different fields, I'm sure, right? Right. 
So kind of like what you were saying about the benchmarks and all that, when I first, um, I guess, pursued physical therapy as an undergrad student, right? My initial idea of it was, okay, I grew up playing sports. Mm. You know, I endured injuries as you did, Blair. And I went to physical therapy. I wasn't a very good patient. But <laughs> I was like, you know what? My dreams of the, going to the NBA died about 20 years ago. And I don't want to sit at a desk all, all day. Mm. Um, I don't want to stare at a computer and do computer work. So I contacted one of my good friends who you are very familiar with. He was in PT school at the time. That's and right. he told me about it. And so I'm just thinking, okay, I'm going to go work with the sports team or I'm going to go work with athletes and make them feel better. Yeah. And uh, like, like you were saying, there's so much to pursue with physical therapy. What's really good is that before you even go to school, they encourage you, they actually need you to go spend time in different settings to, to observe and shadow and be like, okay, is this really something I want to do? Okay. And so for me, I went to an, a hospital setting an inpatient setting, um, a pediatric setting, and then benchmark, and I even shadowed Edward. So I kind of got to see a little, little bits and pieces of what the potential is as a physical therapist. Now, even at that point, I was still like, okay, I want to work with athletes. Mm -hmm. And so PT school starts, it's a three-year program. And as time goes by, they have you go out and do six-week, 12-week clinicals. Oh. And they make sure you go do different things. Mm. And as I'm doing it, I'm like, it's really rewarding to help just your average Joe or your average Jane um, just so that they don't feel bad getting mm. out of bed or they don't feel like a full day of work. They come home and they can't do it. They feel destroyed. Right. Mm. That's not sports related. That's just physical, you know, stress. Yeah. And so. I guess ultimately I'm not restricting myself just to assisted living mm -hmm. and I didn't want to restrict myself just to outpatient orthopedic or sports related rehab. Mm -hmm. And so right now I'm kind of just a sponge. I'm in my third year as a, you know, as a physical therapist and I still want to venture out and do a bunch of different things. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, the, the, the autonomy of being a physical therapist is really fun and exciting. Yeah. So it, it's hard to get complacent, right? Oh, man. So, okay, tell me a little bit about physical therapy school then. So you have to get your bachelor's. Yes. And then what happens? So you do, you know, you do your undergrad, you do your prereqs, all the sciences and a little bit of psychology and all that because you do have to interact with people. Okay. And um, what was once your you get, what was your degree yeah. in undergrad? So the traditional route of going to physical therapy school is getting your bachelor's in exercise science. Okay. Now, without making this too long of a story, I started out at Georgia State, and I wanted to be a journalist. Completely different, right? I oh, wanted to write, I remember oh, yeah, this. Yeah, <laughs> I used to write, you know, a sports blog, and you know, I, at one point I tried to write a book, and I got like two chapters in, and I stopped. But you did. Uh, yeah, we don't. Have, I don't know where it is. Like it's gone. It's what was it about? We got just one minute. What was this about? What was the book about? <laughs> Let's save that for another day. I want to. Oh, I no. want to stay off the okay, record. Fine, fine. Okay. When you it, publish it was, it, it was nothing. It was nothing <laughs> great. It was just very vanilla. You know, nonfiction. Like 
I've yeah. never started writing a book, so that's pretty <laughs> cool. But anyways, okay, so you were mm-hmm. going to be a journalist, a writer, uh-huh. And so I took one mass communication class in two weeks, and I said, this is so boring, <laughs> and I don't want to do this. And so um, you can cut this out if this is too long, but after about three years at State, I wasn't really taking school seriously. And my dad said, you know what? Why don't you just go to Korea and get better at Korean so that you can be, you know, if you're going to, you know, eventually be like a businessman or do something in in Atlanta or Georgia, you're going to probably do business with Korean people at some point in your life. And I said, okay. So I moved to Korea, lived there for six months while I was at a Yonsei University, just taking Korean classes and just kind of getting better at speaking Korean, just more fluent, right? So as I'm there... I'm getting homesick and I'm like, well, when I go back, I'm not living, I'm not going to stay here. I got to go back to the States at some point. Right. And so when I go back, what am I going to do? I'm not doing well in school. Uh, My GPA is really low. I don't want to be a journalist. I got to change my major. What the heck am I going to do? Yeah. And so that's when I talked to my buddy about being, or what's it like being in physical therapy school. Mm. So I come back to Georgia, um, still at Georgia state do one more semester and apply, I apply to UGA because, you know, my dream was always to be a Georgia Bulldog, right? Go dogs. Go dogs. And so I, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to Georgia. I'm going to start brand new. Of course, my GPA follows me, but I was like, I'm going to start brand new. So I get there. I do orientation. I'm so excited. I'm like, yes, you know, I'm in Athens. And then they tell me you have to go through a an application process to get into the exercise science program. Right. So I'm thinking uh, I've already been in college for about three, three and a half years. And now I have to get into a program to now start exercise science. I'm mm. like, no, I can't do that. I'll be in college for eight years. My parents are going to kick me out of the house, all <laughs> that. So I decided to pursue an easier degree or not necessarily easier, but a degree that doesn't require an application process. And that was sociology. Oh, okay. So I, I, I got my sociology degree while taking my science prerequisites for physical therapy school. And so once you finish undergrad at that point, you have to take the GRE, which is just the SAT on steroids. Okay. <laughs> and so, so at that point, I'm like, okay, I'm studying for the GRE. I haven't applied to PT school yet. Let's get some, you know, let's make some money. Let's get some experience. So I applied to work as a physical therapy assistant or not, not a physical therapy assistant, a physical therapy aide or a tech, okay. which they help like set up the machines. They help uh-huh. clean up the tables. They do administrative work. And um, I was fortunate to get a job with Emory Physical Therapy, and I worked there for nine months as I was applying to PT school. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. And um, so PT school starts, and it's a three-year program. Worst three years of my life. (laughs) Made lots of good friends, but worst three years of my life, without a doubt. Oh, man, why? uh, It's just a lot of studying. Yeah. It's a lot of information just being thrown into your brain right I don't my brain's not that big you know me Blair I'm not that smart and (laughs) I'm just having to stay up late you know stressing about tests flipping through my review sheets and my books until the very moment the test starts things like that but yeah it's a grueling three years where um did you want me to talk about my three years in PT I do yeah I do if you don't mind Every PT program is a little different. Okay. So some people, they just throw you into uh, cl- clinical rotations just to get some experience. Other other places will wait a little bit, but most places will start with the 
the standard anatomy and physiology classes so that you know all your muscles, all your bones, nerves, um, the physics and the mechanics of how the body works. Mm -hmm. And so we do that. First year, we actually had the opportunity to work with cadavers. And so our lab had about 12 cadavers. And um, we spent three semesters without getting too graphic. We spent three semesters cutting into them, um, pulling apart muscles and identifying different landmarks of the body and just doing all that kind of stuff. So like you need to know that because you are essentially, you have to know these things in order to work with people's bodies. Right. It's, so the thing is a textbook can explain things and you can, your, your professor can tell you things. Uh-huh. But again, going back to how each individual human being is designed differently, right? Yeah. So someone, your shoulder is not going to look like my shoulder if we did an x-ray on it or if right. we cut into it. Right. And so when we have these cadavers, we cut into them and we see and we're like, wow, could, you know, A is so much different from F and B is completely different from D and all that stuff. So wow. it, it gave us a different perspective. Uh-huh. Um, also grossed us out a lot, but I'm kind of surprised you stomached that. Yeah, it, it, it took me a little while (laughs) to get used to it, but by the second month of it, I was like all up in there. I was just like, let me cut this. Let me do this. And yeah, I I don't think I'd do it again. So grueling, but also fun for you. Like, oh, absolutely. A lot of a lot of fun experiences, whether it was with my classmates, with my professors, or even during my rotations. Um, nothing fun about the studying or taking tests, right? But right. everything else was yes, without being too, you know, I don't want to be complaining, but it was a great <laughs> experience. Would well, I do okay. it again? No. But. Well, uh, the reason I ask is because you know you said you took your mass communications class and you're like, this is not it, mm-hmm. but like you felt differently. <laughs> felt differently yes I will say there was like a fear factor to it where I went to a private school for PT school Mm. so a lot of money was coming out of loans and that was something I was gonna have to pay for eventually so I was like well you started you better get to the finish line or it's gonna be a you know complicated process right right yeah but yes I would say um it was fun just learning and seeing myself grow and mm-hmm. understanding that, whoa, I can actually do this. Um, I think a, a lot of people can relate to me in this sense, but you have the imposter syndrome mm-hmm. where when you start to accomplish your goals, you start to think, gosh, I can't believe I'm doing this. Like, I don't know that I can actually complete it. I don't sure. think I'm capable of doing it. So again, going back to my wife, she was super supportive, always had my back. Um, I would cry to her, you know, during school, I'd be like, I can't do this anymore. Like, Mm. my head hurts. (laughs) And she was very supportive. And, you know, she showed me what I can do. And then with that, I started to believe in myself and started to say, you know what, I'm gonna finish this, I'm gonna do this. And with that, belief in myself I started to enjoy it more yeah that's awesome but no I can totally relate to that imposter syndrome I think across the board with most of my podcast guests like they've all experienced this and Mm -hmm. my even myself 
sometimes daily. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Like, what am I doing? But, yeah. Um, yeah, no, no, I get it. I get it. Um, so if you fast forward to your last year of PT school, um, mm-hmm. does that, is that just clinicals or do you have to still do stuff in class or? Gosh, I don't remember, Blair. It was like three years ago. Oh, but... man. Not that long ago. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it was a little bit like staggered in terms of we would go out and do our clinicals. Mm-hmm. Like um, some of my friends would be in uh, Texas and Vegas and Philadelphia, all over the place, right? Like you get pla- placed somewhere? <clears throat> mm-hmm. Okay. I okay. stayed in Georgia. Um, they actually wanted me to go to Vegas for one. I said no for uh, wound care, but we can save that story for another day. Oh, wow. Mm, so the last year of PT school, you know, you're doing your clinicals, but then you go back to school for a couple of weeks and then you take classes and they almost more so prepare you for the real world. Mm-hmm. Like, all right, you did all the textbook stuff. Let's get to the, you know, the real business. Let's mm-hmm. talk about um, licensing, passing the state board exam and all that stuff. So, right. you know, adult stuff. Yeah. Okay. So licensing and all that stuff, mm-hmm. do you have to keep up with it or you just pass a test once and you're done? So after PT school, you, you take the state board exam, you pass, you get your license. Uh-huh. But every two years, every two years, you have to renew your license. Luckily, we don't have to take any other tests uh-huh. or I might not be talking to you right now, but <laughs> we just have to show that we're still continuing education. So um, I guess with that being said, there's different things that you can build your credentials on. So I do something called dry needling, which you don't learn in PT school. You get introduced to it, but you can specialize in it once you're out of school. Okay. And so um, it's kind of similar to acupuncture. You poke needles into muscles and you uh, address trigger points and all that. But again, I don't want to get too worried. You can edit that part out. I'm panicking. But... (laughs) The, okay, okay. So so you okay. have to you have to have at least 50 hours of continuing education in the in that 2-year window to then renew your license. Mm-hmm. So you just have to always be doing like you just have to always be adding knowledge cuz you know in healthcare everything's changing constantly. If there's no absolute in terms of medicine. So you can't just be relying on or me I can't just be relying on my information that I gathered from 2016 to 2019 of course in 2030 right and so again they just want you to expand upon your knowledge and make sure you're up to date and you whether you want to follow the new stuff versus go the traditional route all that but they just want to make sure that you're on top of your game right okay that makes sense. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. I actually do want to know about, <clears throat> excuse me, dry needling though. Like, because okay. I'm really curious just personally. Um, like, so you said it's like acupuncture. I've actually never gotten yeah. acupuncture before. Okay. But like, why is that physical therapy? Uh, so, gosh, every time someone asks me this question of mm-hmm. like acupuncture versus dry needling, I'm like, well, you know, I don't know that much about acupuncture. I should probably read up on it. And then I don't. But from my common knowledge of acupuncture, it's more pressure points. Or okay. I mean, that's what I know about it too. Right. So it's not intramuscular. Okay. So w- what I mean by that is the needle doesn't go in the muscle, right? I see. And so what we do is we address what we call trigger points, which is like stress built up in the muscle. <gasps> and so when that muscle, it can be, like, now going back to the emotional stress, a lot of times these trigger points are caused by emotional stress. Okay. Um, 
Um, sometimes it's physical stress. So combine those two things. And what happens is if you just to draw an image, think of like muscles just turning into like a ball of muscle fibers and it gets real tight. Uh-huh. And so what helps those or what activates those muscles to move? It's the nerves, right? So the nerves run through muscles. So if you imagine like these nerves running through muscles and then a bundle of fibers squeezes uh-huh. on those nerves, uh-huh. our nerves are all connected from head to toe. So if it squeezes, let's say your shoulders real tight because you've been on your computer for 12 hours a day and those muscles start to get real tight and squeezes on those nerves, it's not just going to hurt in your shoulder. Some people will get headaches. Um, some people will have neck pain. Some people will have shoulder pain, even back in their uh, upper back area. So it's what we call referred pain. So what the needle does is it'll go into those hot spots where we have trigger points and it, uh, it causes this like fatigue effect. Um, it releases lactic acid. So when we go to the gym and we work out, we get really sore, right? Mm -hmm. That's a result of lactic acid releasing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so then there's like this like breakdown of the muscle and then a healing process. So what the needling does is it breaks down, it breaks down those muscles in in terms of like the micro uh, perspective, not like the whole muscle, Okay, okay. but it breaks it down and then allows healing. And then you feel better. Wow. Now it's not for everybody though. Who is it for then? Um, it's not necessarily who is it for. It's certain people you don't want to do it to. Like if they have anxiety with needles, uh, if they don't, if they feel uncomfortable with even getting a shot, I don't recommend it. It hurts. Um, it depends on your definition of <laughs> pain, right? <laughs> Some people, you know, when you get a shot, they say, "Ooh, that hurt." Some people say, "Oh, I felt that, but it was just a prick. It's not a big deal." Okay. Now with the needle, you do have this dull ache sensation, but because it now has that referred pain up to your head, into your shoulder, into your arm, all that stuff, everybody experiences it a little bit different. Okay. And so, so interesting. I'm like I, so curious because I feel like that's me. I need that. I need to let's be. Let's <laughs> do it. I, I'll be happy to come over and um, oh my gosh. we can do a little test run. But like, I didn't I don't know why. I just feel like it it wouldn't hurt, but then it is needles. So <laughs> Yeah. I mean you you think about it, a needle is going into your body. So right. you're gonna feel something. Right. Now it's a very thin, what we call a monofilament needle. So until it hits the muscle, you don't really feel it. But now everybody has different sensitive areas, right? Some people don't like, you know, getting touched on their calf or okay. under their armpit so yes. certain body parts will have a little bit higher sensitivity versus others okay so okay do you like evaluate where a person needs to be dry needled like how can you guarantee that it's going to like help relieve whatever it is that they're feeling right. in that area mm-hmm. so i'm never gonna just have someone walk in the door and be like, Oh, I'm going to dry needle you. (laughs) Usually for me, it'll be like, okay, let's do a couple sessions and let's see where the underlying factors are of what's creating your pain. Okay. Where is it coming from? Is it muscular? Is it neuro? Is it joint? Um, I think that's it. But (laughs) (laughs) so, so anyways, some people will come in. They'll be like, Hey, my doctor referred dry needling. I've done it before. Um, I found it to help. Then I'll be like, all right, let's do it. Uh-huh, let's uh-huh. go on back. Let's get it going. Uh-huh. But most of the times if I'm like, hey, have you heard of dry needling? They're like, no. 
what is that? I'm not going to be like, well, let's go find out. Yeah, right. uh, usually, you know, take them through the conservative route. Let's do some stretching. Let's okay. do some strengthening. Let's do some what we call neuromuscular re-education okay. and try to build up the body, see how it responds to that. I see. And then based on the, the patterns of symptoms that they show, um, I will, I will de- kind of determine, be like, hey, are you interested in trying this? Because I believe that it'll help you. Mm. And if I'm being completely transparent, some of my friends give me a hard time saying, oh, you made me feel worse, blah, blah, blah. Um, but nine times out of 10, my patients love it. Mm. And they're like, let's go right back into those needles. Oh, man. And so, yeah, it's really, I'll leave it up to your interpretation. Yeah, I'll be yeah. happy to do it on you. So yeah, you just no, let me know I'm when. Like, okay. Okay, I might take you up on that. I'm a little yeah, bit scared, yeah. but at the same time, I feel like I feel like it could be life changing. Is what I'm thinking. <laughs> That's pretty. No, because like I, it makes sense to me. Like relieving mm-hmm. tension and pressure in areas mm-hmm. where there's been stress built up, and the needling is breaking up that area, right? Yeah. Essentially, so that makes perfect sense to me. I'm like, yes. Mm-hmm. Like, that makes a lot – like, why wouldn't I do that? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. All right. But this is not taught in school, you're saying? (laughs) It's it's introduced in school. So we know about the concept, but we don't know how to do it. I see. And so, yeah, there's, like, a class you take, and you have to be there for hours on end. And, yes, you have to get needled on – in every muscle pretty much in your body during the class. That's that's crazy. That's kind of crazy. (laughs) Um, okay, well, um, you know, you mentioned earlier that in the beginning when you started your journey in PT, you had this desire to help athletes specifically. Like, mm-hmm. do you uh, still want to do that in the future or is that something that you've put to rest or? Um, absolutely. So when I was working in my previous job in an outpatient ortho clinic, I had some athletes, whether they were college athletes high school, middle school, you know, athletes, and they would come with me with specific injuries. Mm. And so I got a little taste of it. And it's a lot of fun. Mm. Because again, when you're working with that age group, and you're working with that population of athletes, you get to get creative and try things that you wouldn't necessarily be able to try with other patient populations. I see. Mm -hmm. And so right now, going back to how, how I have a little bit more flexibility on my schedule, a little bit more time, a little more energy to do things. So I do the assisted living facility work as my full-time job, but I am currently in the works of talking to a couple other PT colleagues and just personal trainers mm-hmm. who I might want to do more like one-on-one training sessions or rehab sessions, things like that. I see. Um, that would be cool. Yeah. Side hustle. Side hustle. (laughs) Inflation. Um, Do you feel like there is – okay, I don't know how to ask this other than just asking it. Like, I don't know how to be polite about it, okay? but ask away, yeah. (laughs) um, Like, do you think there is a type of person that makes a better physical therapist than not? Like, characteristics of a person or – I mean, I remember Edward said, like, like if you like people it's helpful um i think you definitely have to like people (laughs) because you're you're at the end of the day you're a salesman Mm. 
because I could tell someone to do X, Y, Z, and they're going to be like, well, why? Most of the time I'm going to say, why? Why is that going to help me? I can do this at the gym. Why do I need to do it through you? Mm. And so then I have to be like, okay, well, let me give you a reason why I'm worth it. And so with that, you've got to build a relationship. Um, again, like, I don't want them to see me as like a healthcare provider. I want them to see me as their friend mm. in a professional way right. where they feel comfortable coming to me and they don't feel like it's work. So even when I was mentioning earlier, I wasn't kidding when I said I was a bad patient when I was younger. It wasn't that I was like trying to be, you know, I wasn't trying to be a troublemaker or anything. I just, it, I didn't find it beneficial for me. I felt like, okay, I can go to LA Fitness or Lifetime and work out and get stronger, make sure my injuries heal and I'll get back to it. Mm. Now the physical therapist didn't really sell that to me at that t point in time. Mm. And um, so for me, at now me being a physical therapist, I don't want people to not show up to their appointments and be like, well, I don't want to go. I can do this at home yeah. or I can do this at my own gym. And so kind of building a specific program for whoever that person is, and then also allowing them to have the feeling of like, Oh, I'm looking forward to going to work with Jason. I'm, I'm looking forward to having a conversation and yeah. uh, bettering myself, essentially. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think that's definitely important in terms of being able to interact with people and just kind of have that compassion. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I guess because you're literally, I mean, it's kind of like. Oh, kind of like your wife too, like as a hairdresser. Yeah. You know, like oh. my hairdresser is my therapist sometimes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I see. Okay. Well, is there something that you uh, like the least about being a physical therapist? Oh, man. Before it was, so <laughs> at my previous job, it was dealing with insurance. Oh, yeah. So Red we're at a point always... now. Yeah. So we're at a point in healthcare where we have to prove why someone needs medical care. Right. And insurance company, oh, I don't want to get like in trouble, but insurance companies want to save as much money as they can. Right, right. right of they want you to be their client and be healthy so that they don't have to pay for yeah, an yeah. injury or a catastrophic event right. or something like that. And so when I have a patient who is finding benefits from physical therapy, but they want to keep coming, um, insurance is going to be like, well, they're already better. Mm -hmm. Why do they need to keep coming? But there's other layers to it. And right. for me, that was one of the things that really wore me out because I would be spending my time with these patients. And then two weeks later, the administrative team will come to me like, oh, by the way, that that one visit, we, we're not going to get paid for it because insurance doesn't think that it was necessary. What? Yeah. And so with the new setting that I work in, I don't have to deal with any administrative insurance mm. stuff. So I, I can't necessarily say that that's what I dislike about physical therapy. Um, I think one thing is when my patients or the individual doesn't, want to do anything and I can see from afar that they're declining 
especially in the geriatric population, because we have this saying called, you don't use it, you lose it. So if you sit around, your muscles are slowly essentially dying. And so you have to, you have to work them so that they're functioning. Right. And so it, it, it honestly hurts me to see some people where they're like, Jason, I don't feel good today. I don't want to do it. And I'm like, I understand, but it'll make you feel better. I promise. Mm. Um, but sometimes there's people who don't do it. They, they, they say, you know what? I know, I know it's going to make you feel better, but I just don't want to. Right. And I feel that, you know, sometimes you just have so much going on, whether it's in your head or around, you know, your environment that it prevents you or it gives you less incentive to want to take care of yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't necessarily dislike that. It just, I wish there was a way to provide more than just what I do mm. in, in that sense. But then there's a territory with that, right? I can't go too far out of my scope of practice or now I'm not really doing my job. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that would be discouraging in any setting, not just physical right. therapy, but I, yeah, I totally get it. I mean, that's like, you know, even a teacher, like coach, everything. Like I feel like yeah. when you're working with people and they're just like, no, thanks, but that's tough. That's tough. Right. Um, okay. Like, what do you love then? Or what do you like about, being a physical therapist i'd say time after the time the thing that's made me happy the most is when the patient starts to believe that the physical therapy is helping yeah you know there's a lot of times they're like super optimistic and they're they you know follow my recommendations instructions on exercise they do it and you know there's various outcomes sometimes good sometimes not as good um or I have to refer them to somewhere else because it's a certain specialty that's required to help them. But the thing that consistently makes me happy is when they start to buy in on it. Mm. Now, again, I, I find it very important to explain the purpose and the benefits of the things that they do during their sessions. You know, sometimes people can just be like, do this, do that, do this, and you'll be good. But if you tell them why this is going to help you with that, And then this is going to help you with that. They're like, okay, well, let's try it. And then they start to see it. They start to see the progression with their everyday activities. Mm -hmm. They're like, you know, it's actually not that hard to get up out of bed anymore. Um, When I take my, when I not take my, when I go to the bathroom and I try to sit on the toilet, I don't feel fearful of falling. I don't feel like I'm going to trip over a doorway. Yeah. Um, Falls happen all the time and it stinks because I can't multiply myself and just be present for everyone. Um, But that's something, you know, a lot of times in healthcare, you hear about, oh, she fractured her hip and then she died two months later. she She wasn't doing it. It's very common. And so when these individuals, even in previous settings, um, it doesn't have to be geriatric, but when they're doing things and they're starting to buy into the program and they're saying, okay, it's starting to work. I'm starting to feel better. I believe in it. Let's keep going. I want to see more and more and more. And I'm like, let's do it. Yeah. You know, what more could I ask for in my job than to see my patients enjoying the physical therapy and finding it to help them? Mm. 
And so that, know, I think that's, yeah, that's my favorite part of it. Like some things are clicking for me as you're talking. Like even, so, you know, previous to what you just said, the things that you lo- like and love about it. But, you know, you said what I don't like about it is like when people don't want to do it, right? Mm-hmm. I just like empathetically put myself in your patient's shoes. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, I guess like if I was injured, like, okay, like let's take... Okay, it's getting personal. But, like, let's take my skating career, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I injured myself really terribly. Mm-hmm. I lost everything. I was, I like, 15 years of my career, skating career, down the drain in, yeah. in my eyes, right? I was, like, 17. So, like, um, yeah. I felt like it was the end of the world. Um, you know, I went to physical therapy because I wanted to walk again. But at the same time, like... I was depressed. I had lost, I felt like I had lost everything in that moment. Yeah. And so I can see myself even what you were saying, like, just not, I don't want to do it. (laughs) I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't want to do it. And then, you know, something hopefully would click and it did for me like that. I was going to, my life was not over and I'm going to move on. But then, you know, the part that transitions to the part that you said you love. Right. And it's like, if you can buy if you can buy into what your physical therapist is telling you and believe that your life is not over you know it's not but but right. in that moment when things are so bad or so painful like oh that's really good jason you're changing lives <laughs> <laughs> like that's oh. what i mean everything was just clicking just now as you're talking like i was like yeah i guess like you know it's not just like, oh, they don't want to do it. It's like yeah. deeper. It's deeper than that. Like, yeah. they don't want to do it because, like, I'm sure, you know, like, I'm sure there's more to whatever that is. And Right. Everybody's got something different going on, right? Yeah. Um, it's a very touchy, sensitive area when it comes to someone like you who, you know, you were an avid figure skater and then you had these injuries that, almost eliminated your dreams right that's a huge impact on your life emotionally psychologically you know just well-being wise so for me i'm not just gonna be like yo it's okay let's just do some rehab and try to get you back on it like that you know like (laughs) you gotta find the niche for that individual Mm. so one thing that might work for you might not work for you know someone who's coming in two hours later and so, yeah, I have to baby some people. And then some people, I just tell it to them straight because that's what they want. Yeah. And that kind of goes back to um, building that relationship with your patients. So they walk in the door. I'm not going to be able to know like, okay, what's the best way to convince this person that physical therapy is going to help them? Um, usually I'll give them like a, what we call, you know, a medical hypothesis and be like, okay, this is what I think is going on. This is what I think is going to help. Sometimes I'll tell patients, I don't think physical therapy is going to help. I just, you know, and then I'll refer them to the specialty of what they need. Mm -hmm. But more so, I'll give them that general hypothesis and be like, okay, let's try this for two to three weeks. Just give me two to three weeks, uh, follow the program. Let's see where we go with it. Mm -hmm. And then during that time, when they're doing these exercises, they're spending time with me. I'm starting to understand, oh, this works for her. This doesn't necessarily work for him. Mm -hmm. And then kind of put the puzzle pieces together and be like, okay, now... We've got a program. We've got a game plan that's going to work for that individual. Wow. And so that's part of the game, right? That's, I, I guess that's another thing that I find joyful, but I also don't like sometimes mm-hmm. because it doesn't 
sometimes a puzzle piece is missing and I can never find it. Right, yeah. But when you start to see the picture, it gets really exciting because yeah. you're like, okay, it's it's clicking, it's working. Mm-hmm. And um, that, that just gives you, a, um, for me, it's like endorphins where I'm reassuring, like, yo, I'm, I'm actually kind of good at this. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I know what I'm talking Absolutely, about. And yeah. so, yeah, it, it's definitely, you know, you want to be compassionate. You want to empathize with that individual, understand that um, I have all this, you know, knowledge in terms of anatomy, physiology, physical therapy they don't have all that knowledge. And so for them, if there's some other variables going on that prevents them from really wanting to do physical therapy and they're just like, you know what, I'm not really in it. I don't, I don't really feel like doing it. Mm-hmm. You've got to understand that and you've got to be patient with some people or sometimes you just got to push and be like, let's go. Mm-hmm. Like you can do this. Let's do it. But some people don't want to hear that. Right. right and right. so you, you just kind of have to find the, the right pieces. Man, that's that's more than I thought to being a physical therapist. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of fun. I love it. Yeah. Um, well, I usually ask people before we end our time together if they have any advice for people that are maybe thinking about going into physical therapy or just any life advice at all. Uh, physical therapy specifically, if anyone's interested in um pursuing that field i would say just open yourself up for as many opportunities as possible in terms Mm of go and see everything that you can see and then be like okay do i still want to do this because yeah you have a doctorate so it's kind of cool um and all that and you're you're a healthcare provider and all that but if you're not enjoying it you're not helping yourself and you're not helping those people. Mm. And so you need to find out, okay, do I find joy? Do I find pleasure in helping other people? Um, life advice? <sighs> I don't think I should be giving people life advice. I'm sure you got something. Just get out there, right? Just don't stay in your bubble. Mm whether it's traveling or setting up little goals in terms of just like, all right, be the best version of yourself. Yeah. Don't be complacent, right? Um, Set your goals high. This is super cliche, but set your goals really high to the moon so that even if you fail, you end up at the top of the mountain. Oh, I like that. I didn't come up with that. (laughs) Are you sure? (laughs) I'm sure. (laughs) That's good. That's good. I like that. I always hold heard something different. Like, shoot for the moon. If you miss, you land amongst the stars. That sounds cooler than me. No, that one was good. Fail, I like that. The mountain yeah. thing was good. <laughs> um, well, I am so grateful for your experiences and your journey, Jason. Thank you again for sharing them with me and um, people. Uh, I hate to put you on the spot, but I feel like I know what you're going to say. Um, I usually ask people, like, if you're open to, um, like, if people have questions about PT or, like, maybe they just like this episode and want to chat, uh, would you be open to me connecting you with them? Yeah, absolutely. That'd be great. Awesome. Well, yes, actually, I can I can vouch for that because there was somebody I know and they wanted to, like, check out PT and then... Jason hooked it up and let the person shadow him and everything. So 
like don't be scared okay just reach out like this is an opportunity for you if even maybe you're like even slightly thinking about it jason is a great resource along with edward um so if you want to reach out please dm me on social media or you can email me at podcastwigu at gmail.com thanks again for listening guys bye jason bye Bye. thank you for having me i had a lot of fun i had fun too thanks for coming on (laughs) (laughs) until next time guys bye